This is Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bacon. This is the place where people from all walks of life share their anxiety stories to remind you that you are not alone. If you have an anxiety story you'd like to share, contact us at anxietycanada.com slash ouranxietystories. Hi, this is John Bateman, and you are listening to Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast, which can be found on anxietycanada.com and on most of your popular podcast platforms. Sheila Malcolmson was elected as MLA for Nanaimo in 2019 and re-elected in 2020. She is the Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. She is the Vice Chair of the Cabinet Working Group on Mental Health, Addictions and Homelessness, and a member of the Cabinet Committee on Social Initiatives. Sheila, welcome. I kick off all podcasts by asking the same question. What's your anxiety story? Really nice to be talking to you, John. Uh, you know, this past year, especially, I think everybody can relate to feeling anxiety, even if they didn't exactly know what it was before. But, you know, the, the anxiety story that made me laugh, which I think we need, was uh, in the middle of a government announcement with Charlie Demers this summer. Uh, we had successfully worked together to get uh, provincial funding for uh, a video series that uh, Anxiety Canada is doing. And Charlie Demers was kind of lending his idea and his voice to it. Um, and uh, so this great new, like really good news, but a classic government funding announcement, you know, it's all quite formal. And he bursts into the Zoom uh, part of the, of the press conference by saying, let me tell you about anxiety. It is um, a good thing if you're a, um, a prehistoric uh, hunter trying to outrun a saber-toothed tiger, or maybe you're a hiker in Whistler trying to outrun a bear that's chasing you down. Your heart rate goes up, you get to run, you have to run faster, you need that blood flow to run faster. Um, you sweat all over so you're slippery when the animal grabs you. That is part of our human survival. But you know what? If that hits you in the middle of a job interview, not so helpful. And then he kind of pauses and says, Unless, of course, you're applying to be um, a big game warden and outrunning <laughs> that bear is going to help you get the job. But mostly, no, not help. You know, and it was just, I mean, I love his voice and that he's lending it to kind of, you know, blow the roof off the stigma about anxiety. But I also really appreciate that he, he surprised us and he made us uh, laugh. And that just kind of um, just helps open up the conversation again even more. Yeah, he. I I did uh, interview him. Um, I think he's going to be on this season. I don't think they snuck him in last season. Yeah, and he was certainly uh, entertaining and certainly on it. He knows his. He knows his anxiety, um, <laughs> as do I. But yeah, it's true. Anything, anything that starts affecting your life, you know, in a negative way, um, with anxiety, you know, where it's keeping you home, that kind of thing, for sure, it's a it's a problem. Um, so tell me a little bit about. Uh, you're the Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Um, how did you come to that as, as a position? That's that, you know, how, how did you get to that as a position? You know, I think it probably goes back a little to even why is there a Minister of Mental Health and Addictions? Mm-hmm. You know, when the NDP formed government in 2017, the Premier wanted somebody who was thinking about the overdose crisis and thinking about mental health, first thing, job one. 
that having it housed only inside the health ministry was not uh, not bringing the focus and the problem solving and and building up that system of care that didn't exist in 2017. You know, so the first minister was Judy Darcy. Uh, she's a friend and a, a sister, you know, in solidarity uh, with me. And um, and so, the, you know, she broke a lot of ground. Um, and then she decided not to run for office again. And I have a feeling that she might have had something to do with um, tapping um, me mm-hmm. when the premier was trying to make some decisions about who would carry on her work. Uh, I don't come from the sector. This isn't um, lived experience or frontline experience that I have, but the community that I serve, Nanaimo, um, and I served as member of parliament um, starting in 2015 um, and then in local government, uh, regional government for 12 years before that. So lots of years of hearing um, about what interferes with people's access to service and what barriers we can remove to help people move ahead with their lives. Uh, and overdose crisis hit Nanaimo early and hard. We're also a community that's had a persistent poverty, child poverty in particular. Uh, we're also with the hospital here and the university here, we're a place of real concentration of services, but also a lot of thinking about how to address um, issues in a new way. You know, we've got, you know, psilocybin research happening up at VIU University in Nanaimo on uh, how to tackle PTSD. And so I think all those things together, I think, uh, came to um, to have the premier say, well, Malcolmson's been a good advocate for these issues. And she keeps arguing that our community needs more resources. Let's give her the job of solving these systemic problems. And, and, and so here I am today uh, talking with you about um, how to help people better better access getting the support that they deserve and need. So did you have anxiety when you were asked to do that? <laughs> or do you feel pretty prepared with it? You know, I did. I took a big breath. That is for sure. Um, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's the reason we've created a ministry with this single focus is that um, there are some wicked problems um, in the world and some um, systemic reasons that explain, you know, why there isn't, why there hasn't been a, a that fully connected, fully supportive system of care for people who are um, who are challenged with uh, mental illness and with addictions. And so, so yeah, big job. But there's a huge team. It's very interesting how uh, we are a ministry that breaks down silos. So I have I work hand in hand with health ministry, with education, with ministry of children and family development, with um, uh, social development and poverty reduction, with public security, like multiple ministries intersect with mine. And so, and that's been part of my work um, the whole time that I've been in elected office is how to break down silos and, and attend to the issues and problems that have fallen between the cracks. And this is a big one. For sure, yeah. I I come from a long history of mental health uh, issues myself, anxiety and depression. Uh, that's why I work with Anxiety Can. That's why I do this podcast, um, so I can offer what I can. Um, I I kind of feel like, you know, I don't want to take anything away from addictions. I've been lucky that I've never had any addictions per se, except sugar, um, carbohydrates, those kind of things. But um, aside from that, it seems like mental health comes. You know, if you're talking about chicken egg, mental health kind of comes first. It's it's what kind of can lead to addictions early on often. 
Do you, so, so how do you, do you approach that? Like, do you, are you approaching it as a long-term? Cause you also, you, you have to look at long-term solutions because, you know, trying to help people out with their mental health issues early, but then you have to also have to deal with um, short-term solutions, solutions, helping people with who are experiencing addiction now, you know, how do you reconcile or how do you, how do you try and work both sides of that? Yeah. Well, exactly. As you say, we have to work both sides of it. We have to give people the support that they need in a time of crisis. And at the Mm -hmm. same time, we're working very hard to prevent anything from getting to that crisis point. The plan that we have now in place for British Columbia that was developed with families and survivors and people with lived experience across the whole province, uh, we call the pathway to hope. And it is kind of front end loaded towards um, children and youth. And so the very clear recognition in that plan for mapping out overcoming mental illness and, and, and addictions is, is front end loading those, those supports so that children and families, uh, young, the youngest people in the province get the best start possible, uh, build into our communities and our systems and our schools ways to identify uh, people who need extra supports and uh, set them up for life with the kind of skills and, and tools that they will need to, um, to prevent problems when they arise, to identify them. Um, so that's a big focus. And then I'll say certainly, uh, you know, we're all, these days, you know, eyes wide open on this in relation to Indigenous people and the uh, the trauma that is at the root of what's being uncovered at residential schools, uh, that having to do everything with a trauma-informed lens and recognizing that, you know, as Gabor Mate says, you know, the, the hole that is created in people um, with childhood sexual abuse, um, with all the forms of trauma that we're increasingly understanding, that that is at the root of, of, of addiction in many cases, you know, filling a hole that is hard to fill otherwise. Um, and it's, it can be endless. So, so yeah, mental health and trauma and the ways that they intersect absolutely at the root of a lot of the healing work that we need to do in the ways that we need to rebuild our education and healthcare system um, to be able to respond and, and help people get better. You end up partnering with NGOs with, you know, with, uh, cause you know, anxiety Canada obviously has a great, uh, has a great kind of curriculum for helping out men- people with mental health issues. You, you know, are you in touch with those kind of organizations? Yeah, very much. And a lot of our funding goes to groups like that. You know, this is absolutely a, there's strength and diversity uh, for us to come at these problems, these long unattended problems in multitude of ways, meaning means that we're partnering with, with the people on the ground that have already got the solutions and experience. Um, so yeah, we are, we're fund some of Anxiety Canada's work. Uh, Foundry BC, which is such a uh, um, inspiring and holistic way of delivering mental health uh, supports and healthcare supports to young people. Also something that our government funds, but the delivery is people on the ground. It's not coming out of uh, the bureaucracy, but it's out mm-hmm. of, um, from the grassroots, you know, and there are a multitude of, of service deliverers on um, mental health counseling. And right now, um, especially during COVID, when we had to move a lot of mental health counseling online, uh, then and and contracting with a number of different uh, community 
counseling service providers. Uh, 49 organizations now are offering low and no cost counseling. Um, And again, all delivered by existing community organizations that are embedded in the community and and have a certain perspective um, and a certain specialization. Um, Working with uh, South Asian communities um, or Chinese speaking communities, again, to be able to get the mental health and, and addiction supports that they need means we're working, we're completely reliant on their expertise, their translation services. And so lots of um, contracts and, and work go through them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, as a parent, I've got two kind of older kids in their later teens. Um, I always educated my kids about mental health um, as I did about you know anything else. It was always just an open topic um, from basically before they could even talk. Uh, you know, I, I had my first mental health, real mental health issues back in, you know, grade school, um, you know, grade six, seven, eight, nine kind of thing. Um, it, you know, how, uh, what I've always dreamed of, you know, we have physical education, you know, instituted in schools. Um, you know, do you think there's a world where there could be a mental education component? I mean, I know there's funding issues and all that kind of thing, but has that ever been considered, you know, uh, you know, at least on a provincial level? We're starting a new approach to connecting people in community with uh, with mental health supports, young people, um, in a, with a program that we're calling Integrated Child and Youth Teams. Mm-hmm. And in fact, this week, the first level of training is happening for uh, mental health workers that will be connected to these community-based teams in Comox and in Maple Ridge. Those are the first two communities. Right. We're working already with a total of five communities and we're going to expand it all together to 20 communities across the province. By community, I mean actually school district kind of yeah, yeah. meant to be like a regional kind of model. Um, and that is, uh, you know, the experience that we have with those first two communities is really going to inform how this continues to get rolled out. Mm-hmm. But uh you know, whether in some places it will be more about kind of referrals in out of the school um, counselor position into more embedded community supports, whether um, what we learn from actually being able to connect more young people to, to mental health care is that what we need to do is build resiliency right into the curriculum. Mm-hmm. We're all going to be learning from that. So, um, so I think, you know, some of those good ideas about amending curriculum and uh, building supports into the schools um, will be a, a two-way piece. Maybe a really important thing I'll emphasize uh, about the delivery model that we're looking at is that a lot of it is um, is outbound. So it's not that um, a young person who's struggling with mental health challenges or anxiety, um, we're not going to ask them all to walk into a doctor's office or into a counselor's office, but we'll really have embedded into the training and the programming that we're just about to start to launch um, is meeting people where they're at. So if the place that's the best for a young person to talk to a counselor is in their favorite park, then that's where the conversation will be. Um, you know, we hear from families of children with disabilities how important it is um, that planning around um, around them be central and and it and so it has been. But we also recognize there are many many forms of disability in this definition. And uh, so we look forward to having those important conversations about mental health in a multitude of platforms, you know, for people at home or online or 
in the park. Yeah. Are, are you are you going to try to, I mean, I think one of the most important um, conduits we have, which to my generation is one of the most mysterious, is social media. Mm. Um, because there is a lot of power in social media. Um, is that is that also the kind of thing that you that you are looking at that some of your organizations are looking at? Yeah, you know, it's a conversation that's I think woven through everything, um, both the power of it, but also the the perils. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and we all feel it, uh, and especially this year of COVID, where people have been isolated with their social media. Um, uh, you know, with the phone, like the most important relationship, you know, I think those conversations are really amplified. So yeah, we just are going to have to keep digging into the teachings that are out there. Um, and, um, and, you know, I, I'll go back again to the foundry model to have young people in the physical foundry centers, which you would walk into, you can get sexual health, um, you can get, um, uh, connected with the medication-assisted treatment for addiction, uh, counseling, um, all you know, all all forms that um, that young people designed uh, and test drove the Foundry app. That now young people, if they're going to be connected with their phone, well, let's make it in a good way, and so they can sign up for um, uh, basically same day. Uh, uh, counseling session. They're really focused on on group counseling, which for young people, I think often is particularly empowering just to recognize that you are not alone. Social media Absolutely. can have the social media can have the the make you have the feeling that you're the only one that isn't having fun. But for you to be in a group counseling conversation where you realize that you know, many, many others are grappling with the same challenges that you are, and then some can, you know, share their good experiences of how they overcame it. Um, and that that is, is, is not something about getting put onto a waiting list, but that Foundry through that technology allows you to have a counseling session right away. And, you know, again, so you can have that immediate worry um, be attended to and um, have some good conversations, figure out a plan forward. And it may not be a multi, multi-week counseling session, it might be that just in a conversation or two that we can help young people uh, set up a plan for themselves about how to move forward in a better way. Uh, so, you know, this is, we're doing things like that in a multitude of mm-hmm. different platforms. And I won't say we're throwing everything at it, but honestly, um, you know, there's, there are many pathways into, um, into anxiety and into mental health challenges, many pathways out. And we've got a lot of really good people that have been doing good work on the ground. Now that we're funding them better, our budget this year has put more money into mental health and, and addictions prevention than we and treatment than ever has happened in the history of, of the province of BC. And so that is gonna connect more organizations with good ideas, uh, with the kind of funding that they can help implement them. And everything we've got an evaluation and monitoring um, uh, imperative built into the funding so that we can learn and then harvest the best of these ideas and and carry them on. Yeah, I, th- I think it's fabulous. You have to try a lot of different things. I'm wondering, you know, you're talking about, you know, the funding. Do, do you feel like, you know, I, I, I'm kind of, I kind of look for silver lining in the COVID thing that's happened. One of them is I really feel like it's brought forth mental health issues. I really feel like for, for whatever reason, but I also feel like 
it's created more of a, you know more options for people to you know the concept for me of of getting to talk to somebody the same day or the next day um, is very foreign to me nor you know normally you know so so I guess there's a lot of benefit that's kind of come out of this whole zoom culture um, you know where you, you can have people planted just about anywhere do you find that that's that that, that COVID has had that you know if I can put a positive spin on it do you find it's had a positive spin that way it's stretched the technology and uh, and removed barriers to accessing technology in a way that's unprecedented. You know, I hear, for example, people in rural and remote areas that don't have access to medical specialists. You know, they've been able to overcome that by the move to virtual medicine, and that now doctors are able to have a video or phone consult with people. Uh, we've uh, we're pushing out. Uh, uh, nurses to work to their full scope of practice or, or beyond the traditional scope of practice in response to the overdose crisis. I think that's going to um, have, you know, we're, we're not going to put that toothpaste back in the tube on, no, yeah. you know, on a lot of those things. Um, and certainly I'm, you know, again, back to the foundry example, um, the, the types, um, the diversity of young people that were walking into physical foundry centers Mm -hmm. compared to the kind of people that walked in, walked into yeah. the, um, the foundry virtual is a very different makeup. And that told us that whether it was about race um, or gender, uh, uh, you know, there, there were people need to be met in a multitude of ways. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and certainly if you're dealing with anxiety for you to get up and go into a brand new place, you know, what would that be like? Um, very difficult to, in many cases, yeah. Very difficult, you know, and I don't know why that had took us that long to figure that out. But anyway, we we are we're moving on. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, more people are are coming forward asking for help with with mental health. Uh, we are successfully, you know, building on the backs of many people that have you know stepped out when. Um, it was a big deal. I think of Claire Hughes and other people that are on the national stage said, we're going to talk about mental health in a new way. Sheila Rogers, you know, other people that used their you know, celebrity voice uh, to be able to, to talk about challenges. We're just, we've just made huge, huge strides this past year. Um, I'll say honestly, uh, even though we've built up so many more supports and programs, uh, we are constrained in British Columbia by the number of healthcare workers and nurses and doctors that can connect people with care. Um, and there are so many more people asking for help. It's great that they are, that, you know, even though we've expanded our, our services, you know, there's still real challenges with connecting people with the care that they need. Um, and I know we're asking a lot of people, a lot of people to be patient, you know, at a time that they're in, in crisis, we are working as hard as we can to train up new workers and graduate more folks, creating more seats in universities and colleges, and really tapping into peer workers in a new way. And that is um, such an important piece, especially where people have lost some trust with the healthcare system to have a peer navigator, someone with lived experience that can help, you know, take them by the hand and let them know what, um, what might come next and to be able to connect them um, you know, in a positive way with the supports that are available. All these ways are going to help us uh, get through this crisis together. 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, um, yep, it's, there's still a ways to go and there's, you know, a lot of learning to be done, but um, it is literally night and day compared to when I was younger and dealing with mental health issues. So, you know, speaking on behalf of me and my generation, I I really appreciate um, everything you, you know, and, you know, your committees and your cabinet are doing to, to work on, you know, moving this whole mental health thing forward and, and sort of mainstreaming it as much as possible. It's really appreciated. Well, I'm delighted to hear that. And, uh, and it is, um, it's, you're right, you know, it's a really important way to think, you know, I mean, I know, when I was a teenager, I sure wasn't telling, I wasn't talking with my parents, if I was anxious, or if I was being bullied, it just, there was such a taboo about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, and we are in a very different time right now. And, uh, and we just have to honor that. And when people Mm -hmm. have the strength um, and the ability to to identify the kind of support that they need, that's our responsibility as a government to connect them with the care that they need. And we're determined to do that. Excellent. Sheila Malcolmson, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thanks so much for the conversation. Thanks for reaching out, John. Anytime. Thank you for listening to our anxiety stories. If you'd like to support this podcast or Anxiety Canada, go to anxietycanada.com.